What if you could create more kindness in the world just by being you? Everyone has the potential to create and receive more kindness. What if kindness is more than being nice and compassionate to others? Have you ever considered what having more kindness for you could create in your life? Get ready to learn how the energy of kindness is integral to reducing stress in your life and how it can assist in healing your body. Now, here is the host of Cultivating Kindness with Karen, facilitator of healing, Karen Leslie. Welcome, everyone. I am so excited to be here with you today. We have a super amazing show planned for you, and I have a wonderful, wonderful guest with me here today for Cultivating Kindness with Karen. Tammy and I have known each other through online connections now for a number of years, and we actually got to meet in person just a, a few weeks ago, or I guess maybe a couple of months ago now, yep. but it wasn't too long ago, and I think it, it was just like, oh yeah, I know you, I've known you forever. <laughs> And so I'm thrilled to have Tammy here with us today. Tammy is a super special person. She's an amazing, gifted, kind. So of course she'd be here on show all about kindness, but she's such a kind person. And her energy is so inviting and soothing. And she is so well put together in this world, in this lifetime for the work that she is doing. So let me read her bio here. Tammy Adams loves to problem solve, inspire and motivate others who are ready and committed to change. She has spent over 30 years in the field of education from infant to post-secondary. And as a certified coach, Tammy teaches individuals to challenge and conquer their limiting beliefs and insecurities to create the life of their choosing. As an advanced grief recovery specialist, Tammy understands unresolved grief can limit an individual's capacity for happiness and is gifted at supporting individuals through the pain and isolation caused by an emotional loss of any kind to be a place of happiness they believe no longer existed. And you guys have been following me for a while. You know that I am right in sync with Tammy's beliefs here about our thoughts and our belief patterns, excuse me, and our insecurities. So Tammy, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thanks for having me, Karen. It's just, it's so cool that we're here and we're connecting in this way because so many times, even our posts on Facebook seem to mirror each other and it's not like we plan it. It just seems to happen, you know, with synchronicity. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I'm thrilled. I mean, and, and you're right. We just seem to have this ebb and flow that seems to be happening between us and has been for a little bit, actually. Yeah. And then it was, gosh, a couple of months ago, yeah. I think that we first started to talk about you coming on the show. Yeah. And I really wanted to do something about grief because to be honest and be honest with everyone here who's listening, I don't understand grief that well. I am kind of unique in how I work with grief in that I'm quite detached. And that's just part of part of how my brain works and part of who I am until recently. And I just lost in, uh, May 24th, an extremely important person in my life. And I'm experiencing grief in a way that I've never done before. And so I was thrilled to think, oh, yay, Tammy's coming on soon. <laughs> 
But this is how it works. And this is what happens so often with the shows here on the Inspired Choices Network. You know, they so mirror the life of either myself, a guest, or people who are regular listeners. Something comes along, I get a more of an intuitive hit, really. And I use my oracle cards a lot, as people who listen all the time know. And so here we are set up to talk about grief. And I know one person in particular who is listening live is very happy that Tammy's here because of the anniversary that's coming up for her at the end of this week. And I think it's safe to say that grief is something that we all experience at some point or another, yet it's also very, very individual as to how it's going to come across for each of us. And in my case, it's flipping, it's changing, which to be honest, Tammy surprised me. So before we get into too much of this, I'd love to know a little bit more about like how did you come to specialize in this area? Because it's it's fascinating to me. Well, if you had told me that this is going to be my life work, and I really do believe I've landed it where I need to be. But if you had told me, I would have really told you were crazy. I don't go to the funeral home. I don't go to the cemetery. Um, the conversation amongst my friends is, yeah, this is the grief counselor who never goes to a funeral. Um, it just is something I haven't done for a long, long time. But I was always that person that showed up after everyone else left. And I guess that's who I am today. And how I found myself here was... I was working as a life coach. I was working with a client who was very stuck and unable to move forward. And it was actually a colleague who suggested I look into the grief recovery method. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand it. No, that's that's not for me. And she said, no, I really seriously believe that this is your calling. And I called the company. I was on the phone with them for probably over an hour. And the lady on the phone said, you're already doing it. You just don't know you are. Oh, and wow. so I went and I got certified initially to help this particular client. But the thing about grief recovery is they really encourage you to do your own work before you hang your shingle out. And I'm all about personal development. I'm about responsibility for our own healing. And so I did just that. And I completed all the losses in my life that I really thought intellectually I had taken care of. And what I learned through the program is your heart speaks a much different language. Our head wants to solve it, wants to analyze it, wants to understand it. But your heart basically wants to be witnessed. Here's what's happened. Here's how it made me feel. Here's how I complete those emotions. And I was in a relatively short period of time able to release 50 years of unresolved emotion. Mm -hmm. And um I went from someone who had lived most of their life in fight and flight. I had used whatever energy I had left to convince you and myself that I was okay. And now through the grief recovery method program, I found an inner peace that I really never thought I would ever find. And I protect it very, very diligently now because I don't want to ever lose it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can relate to so much what you just said. And I wasn't going to go into this, but okay. 
I was just on holidays uh, recently and I was away in Bermuda and there was a number of reasons as to why I was there. 100% not my choice to go. But the circumstances during that week and circumstances from 20 years prior that still connected to that island, even though this was my first time there, brought on so much grief, anger, so much got activated that I thought I had dealt with. Absolutely. We are so skilled because we have been trained to bury these emotions. I mean, especially in Western culture, you know, it's like stay busy and, you know, distract yourself, look away, don't look at. And so we do, we convince ourselves that we're fine, but we're not fine because these emotions are stored in the cells of our body. And until they are witnessed and released, they don't go anywhere. And what I find is when people come and work with me, of course, there's usually a huge loss that has brought them to me. And it's usually fairly recent, but it's not very long into the process when they realize that was the catalyst for bringing them to me. But yet Where this started was when they were eight or when they were 12 or it was their first love or it was the divorce of their parents. And so this journey, we actually go back to the beginning and we move forward. And what's so interesting with this process is when you begin, you kind of document these in a chronological fashion. But when we heal them. Our bodies dictate the order in which we heal them. And it is never in the order that your intellectual mind would take you. Your heart leads you through this journey in a completely different way. And um, a friend of mine went through the program and she said what she loves about it the most is you can't hide from the truth. It won't let you. It just kind of, I I say to people, it's like you've got this box and you knock the lid off and you knock all, dump all the contents out on the table. And then we look at what's there. And because right and wrong doesn't fit into the process, it's easy to say, okay, that's mine. That's yours. That's theirs. And then to be able to take those actionable steps to move to the other side. That's awesome. And yeah, I could so see that. I mean, just from that experience that week, and it blindsided me. It does. And you know, blindsided me. Karen, you said something else too that I don't want to be lost in our, get lost in our conversation. Um, You mentioned something about this last loss and the relationship that you had with this person. And what I'd really like the listeners to take away from this is grief is different. It's individual with every relationship we have because the grief is dictated by the relationship we had with that person. Good or or challenging, it doesn't matter either way. And so let's say you and I were sisters and our mother just passed away. You would grieve that loss completely different than I will. And it's based on our individual relationships with that person. And that's where a lot of the tension comes from, especially in a family, when everyone shares the loss of one particular person, especially if they were kind of the matriarch or, you know, someone really important to everyone in the family. 
people start judging each other because they're going through the grieving process completely different, but it's 100% based on that relationship that they personally had with that person. Yeah, I mean, one of the problems I've had with grief, not, anyways, I'll keep going, because what I've said to many people about grief is that it's so individual. And that there's no right or wrong way to do it. You need to follow what works for you. How long it takes, what it looks like, what you can do, what you can't do. Because I found so many social expectations around how somebody is supposed to grieve as well. And I think, too, something that drives this process that really keeps us stuck. Of course, I'm going to use one of the buzzwords of the last three years, but Grief, the definition of grief, what grief is, is surrounded by misinformation. And no one gave us that information, that misinformation on purpose. It was just they taught us what they knew and no one has ever been given the tools. So I want to use one of the tools that we've all been taught. Any of us who were working any kind of counseling are given this. We're given the five stages of grief. And the five stages of grief were developed by a woman by the name of Elizabeth Mm Kubler-Ross, and they were designed for someone who had just received a terminal diagnosis. And so they're moving from denial to acceptance. It's kind of all, it's a roadmap all over the place, but, but that is the goal, to move from denial to acceptance. And she herself said, please don't ever use this to support a griever. It's not the intention. There are no stages of grief. And so every single one of us, like when I worked in career development, I wrote a manual and right in the manual, it had the five stages of job loss. Now, if I'm going to be downsized and I know that's going to happen in six months, yes, those could very much apply to the situation. But for most of us, we quit our job, we move on, we get fired, we get downsized, whatever. Well, those five stages of job loss don't apply at all because there are no universal reactions to a loss that we will all experience in the same way. And that is one of the really big pieces of misinformation that keep us stuck. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I had never heard that those five stages were only in relationship to a terminal diagnosis. And that makes so much sense when I think about what they are and how I or others I've witnessed go through grief. All right. Absolutely. Okay, so, Tammy, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. We have come to our first break already. This show is going to fly by, girl. <laughs> it's going to disappear on us in no time. But but I want to thank you for being here with me. I am thrilled to be sharing Cultivating Kindness with Karen with you, Tammy Adams, because you're such a wonderful, special person. And I want to thank everyone who he- is here with us, listening live to us. Thank you for joining us on the Inspired Choices Network. We are thrilled that you come every week and hang out with us. And if you have questions or you're listening live and you want to jump over to inspiredchoicesnetwork.com forward slash chat room, please join us in the chat room. So if you've got some questions for Tammy or myself, don't hesitate to come across and ask them while you have access to both of us right here, right now. So in the meantime, while you're doing that, don't go away. We've got a couple of commercials to listen to, and then we will be right back. All right. Thanks, everyone.
We all have different experiences with and definitions of kindness. These experiences and beliefs about kindness have influenced who we are today and how we see the world. The universe is always listening. So what are you telling the universe today? Tune in to Cultivating Kindness with Karen. Each week as Karen guides you to understanding how each choice you are making is either keeping you stuck or opening up the energy of empowerment for you. Listen to Cultivating Kindness with Karen. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Central Time, 12 p.m. Mountain Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is Cultivating Kindness with Karen. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to karen at karenlesley.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everybody, to our special episode this week on grief and how to deal with it with kindness. And there's, we'll get into it more, but there's so many ways that people go through grief or look at grief or share their opinions about grief really do not have a lot of kindness in them. And so Tammy and I here would love to share with you how to turn turn that around and how to look at grief for yourself or your loved ones or a friend, perhaps from a different perspective after listening today and in a way that will help you the energy of more kindness, less judgment, and just to be present in a way that will work in that moment for you and the other person. So before we continue our conversation, though, Tammy, people just heard how they could get in touch with me. How can they reach out to you if they've got questions or they're you know watching on the replay later on? How can they get in touch? Um, they can visit my website, which is tadams.ca. And I love sharing that website because it's not a sales website. There's a lot of free resources that people um, can access there, like ebooks and a questionnaire to see are they carrying grief, um, some informative uh, videos. But they can also access me um, through email at tdadams at rogers.com. Okay, awesome. I'm going to be checking out some of your free stuff on your website as well. I think it would be very helpful for me. <laughs> so um, where do I want to go? I've got so many thoughts going through my head, Tammy. Can we can we go over the definition of grief for people? Yes, because please. that's another piece of that misinformation. Let's do uh, that. Okay, so uh, people tend to um, immediately go to the death of a loved one, which, of course, 
is part of what it is because grief is the normal and natural reaction to an emotional loss of any kind. But there are also four other components of grief that people aren't aware of. And one of them is a change in something that's familiar. So even if those decisions are decisions that we know are right for us, you know, getting married, having a baby, moving, getting a promotion, we always go to the negative. But sometimes these changes in what was familiar are actually positive things. The other thing that goes with grief are those things that you wished had been better different or more. Those unrealized hopes, dreams, and expectations. And finally, it is the things that have remained unsaid. So we may have said them and thought they weren't heard. They may be some of those things we said that we wished we hadn't of. Um, They may be things that we never said when we had the opportunity or things that just need to be said again, only this time with someone listening. And I see that one of the questions that came up is it says, you say that grief must be witnessed. And I think right now is a really good time to work that in. Journaling, for example, is really good in helping us to uncover uh, what those emotions are that we may not be aware are there. But when I say grief must be witnessed, we can write out all the words we want. But if we don't have another living human being witnessing, hearing those words, what we're saying, and hearing us complete those incomplete thoughts or emotions, the feelings go right back inside. They don't go anywhere. And that witnessing is a key component of the grief recovery method. Um, There was a woman who called John one day, her husband had passed away, and she was so angry. And she said, I did everything that you asked me to do. and, And I'm worse off now than I ever was. And John was like really taken back by this because he believes in his program. And he said, I will personally take you through the program myself. Well, they started at the beginning and week by week, they worked through everything. And even John couldn't figure out where she went wrong. And finally, they got to the point where there's a very specific letter that you write different than most letters. And they got to the point where she was going to read the letter to John. And John said to her, before you start, who did you read this letter to the last time? And she said, my husband. So she had gone to the cemetery and she'd stood at the headstone and she'd read the letter. Now, if a grandchild had been there, a sister, the groundskeeper, a minister, it doesn't matter who, as long as they're alive and listening, those words release. Well, Mm. there had been no one there, no one to hear the words. And that's when he knew that was the one piece of the process she had overlooked. So that witnessing is so, so very important to the healing process. That's fascinating. It makes so much sense when you tell me about it and you break it down. But I would not necessarily have made sure that witnessing meant it it, it, in exactly that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I can see and I can feel the shift in the cells in the body and the release when you talk about it like that. 
Yeah, it's one of the yeah. key components. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when you're when you're going through the definitions, you know, when my godfather died, one of the things I knew I was grieving was life was not going to be with him. You know, we we spoke every single day, but I was walking through the airport to get on the airplane. And all of a sudden I realized ah, I'm also grieving the loss of my the life the way I knew it. But I'm, I was also, and this may sound weird, I was grieving what I needed to do next, the life I needed to, to create. Yes. That makes sense. Different, different because, better, more. <laughs> yeah, because when it, when it hit me, I almost started to cry. And my husband's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, like we're walking on an airplane. <laughs> but but it, I had never thought of it being from that perspective. But when I could voice it to him, it shifted in less, less than seconds. Like it just moved out yeah. when I explained to him what I had just become aware of. Yeah. It's, and it's amazing. Like people think that you're healing toxic relationships or, you know, a really deep emotional loss. But sometimes this process can be even more effective when it's a really positive, positive relationship. And that person is still alive. Because if you go back to that last point about things left unsaid, especially those people that mean so much to us, we just assume that they know, right? And that was the biggest loss I uncovered for myself. Because when I was 18 years old, my grandfather was dying. And I knew he was dying. And I went to the hospital and his hospital room was full of family. And I didn't have the courage to say what I wanted to in front of them. And I didn't have the confidence to ask them to leave. So mm -hmm. I left, never saying what I wanted to. I got up first thing in the morning, went back to the hospital by myself. He had fallen into a coma. And that afternoon he died. Mm -hmm. So I was 18 years old. I didn't find the grief recovery method till I was 58. I carried what I thought was guilt for all of those years. And then through the grief recovery method, I realized that guilt, the true definition of guilt is an intent to harm another person. Well, I didn't intend to hurt my grandpa, but I realized what I had was regret and just shifting replacing the word guilt with regret just that in of itself lifted a huge weight and then through this process being witnessed I was able to say all those things to my grandpa that I never got to say to him when I was 18 and just instantly it just lifted and you'll see me looking off to the corner like this every now and then my grandfather's picture hangs above my desk and he's there every single day. And now there's no pain. There's no regret. There's just love every time I look at the picture. Oh, that's beautiful. I have a picture just off to my right of my godfather and my godmother as well in my office that um, I had the privilege of being able to go to his suite and bring a few things back that meant something to me. So they sit there with me as well. And uh, we chat, <laughs> we do all kinds of things and uh, and it's great. But people, yeah, right. Regret and people will use the word guilt. I've heard that so often. 
they'll be upset that they did or didn't do certain things. I know that that's uh, happened to a couple of people in my family um, with other people who have passed away in that. And then there's this, like with my uncle that just passed away, then there's this other aspect, which I'd like to get into after our break, because it's coming up just in a couple of minutes, is this um, idea that we need to be strong. We need to be in a certain way. And I know you have some really um, firm, I'm going to say firm opinions on that word strong and that how we can actually interfere and delay or disrupt our healing process. And that's something I think that has been easy for me because of my sort of natural detachment was to be seen as being strong. So when I have been not, quote unquote, my normal strong recently, I, people haven't quite known what to do with me. This shift in me and I, okay. And, and so I've been making life uncomfortable for a couple of people every now and then. And knowing that that's okay, where actually many people may not feel that that's okay. So we're going to go to our break. And I'd like to pick up on that when we come back, because I think it's really important. Yeah. And uh, also, I just wanted to say, too, that I love that you brought in that grief is all areas, like yeah. the job. It, it's not just death of a pet or a, a person. No, it's, you know, my father-in-law went through tremendous grief when he retired from being a doctor. Yeah. That was his identity for so long. You know, there's so many different ways that people could reach out and work with you, not necessarily because someone has passed away. Right. So. Yeah. All right. So we are at our second break. Thank you, everyone who is hanging out with us here today on the Inspired Choices Network. As you know, we have a wonderful guest, Tammy Adams, with us today on Cultivating Kindness with Karen. Please go back to the beginning of this episode or the show if you're just joining us now. There's tremendous information and sharing from Tammy that I think you will really benefit if you go back and listen. Stay with us now and hear the remainder of the show as well. But feel free to share and like and, you know, let others know about the, the topic today and the show, because I think it really will have very wide appeal. And there's information here today that you may not find anywhere else unless you've had the opportunity to work with someone who has a specialty like Tammy does, which I think not enough people know is even available. So don't go away. We will be back in just a couple of minutes. And thank you for hanging out with us this afternoon. All right. Thanks. We all have different experiences with and definitions of kindness. These experiences and beliefs about kindness have influenced who we are today and how we see the world. The universe is always listening. So what are you telling the universe today? Tune in to Cultivating Kindness with Karen each week as Karen guides you to understanding how each choice you are making is either keeping you stuck or opening up the energy of empowerment for you. Listen to Cultivating Kindness with Karen Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Central Time, 12 p.m. Mountain Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. 
Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. This is Cultivating Kindness with Karen. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You can also send an email to karen at karenlesley.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so happy you're here with us. You know, really, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show or any show that we have here on Cultivating Kindness with Karen. But it, yeah, this topic is obviously very personal to me if you've been listening along. But if you have questions or you have ideas or suggestions for other shows that you would like, then please reach out. Send me an email, karen at karenlesley.ca. And you can also reach out to Tammy. We will post as well, again, her email address for you. And also you can go to her website. Don't forget. And we'll remind you again before the end of the show because there's lots of free gifts there for you and things that you can download and use yourself to help you. And I think the idea of this questionnaire that Tammy's got on, I think everyone should do it, even if you don't think you have any grief going on in your life right now because my instincts are saying uh, we may be wrong. (laughs) We're probably carrying a lot of stuff that we aren't even aware of. And again, if you've been listening with us all the way through, you'll know that that is true. So now I want to circle back to what we were saying just before we went on our break and talk about this idea of being, I'm air quoting for those listening, strong like that need to be strong when there's grief happening or that expectation of other people that we should be strong, you know, like, oh, pull yourself together. You know, these things we say that, um, yeah, they're not very kind, even if you may mean them that way as encouragement and that. So, Tammy, I'd love to turn it over to you because I know you've got some really wonderful things to say about this. Well, you're right, Karen, you know, one of their six myths that keep us stuck in our pain. And one of those is being strong for others. And we think we're being kind, like you say, because, you know, we're not making someone else feel uncomfortable. But there's two really downsides to this. And one is we're not giving ourselves, we're not being kind to ourselves, by allowing ourselves to express our emotions openly and honestly. And because we're not setting that example, other people are denied the exact same thing. And it it is, it's very, um, it really in it stops the healing process. And um, John had a mother call one day and she was really, really concerned about her son. His dad had died. And he would just, when he started to feel sad, he would get up and he would leave the room. And she was very concerned about him. And John asked her, he said, what do you do when you're sad, when you think that your husband has passed away? 
And she said, well, I need to be strong for my son. So when I start to feel sad, I go to my room. And he said, your son is following your lead. Um, it, being strong it doesn't help anyone. Being honest, open and honest with those feelings. But we are conditioned for acceptance. And intuitively, we all know when we kind of reach that point where our friends or our family are getting tired of hearing us talk about this. And so what we do is we tend to pull away. That's another one of the myths. We feel that our um, emotions aren't important, which leads us to another myth. We start to isolate. And the other three are equally as important because at a very, very young age, we are taught to replace the loss. So you come home from school and you've been bullied and you're upset and you're crying. And grandma gives you a cookie and says, here, have this cookie you'll feel better. Or we have a family pet that dies and our well-meaning parents will say, don't feel bad, we'll get you another dog, right? So we're, we're taught very early on to replace that loss. And then one of the other things are, you know, we stay busy. We're constantly busy and we start reaching for things so that we can distract ourselves. You know, we might be on Netflix longer than usual with social media. We might have an extra glass of wine or we might go shopping and buy another pair of shoes or whatever it is. Work too long. And so what we do is we tend to stay busy. But the biggest myth of all, the biggest myth of all is... We have been taught that time heals all wounds. So we start to wait for time to allow us to feel better. And yes, over time, you know, maybe the intensity of the loss may start to diminish, but a, a diminishing intensity is much different than actual healing. And so as we sit and we wait for time to make us feel better, you know, we're staying busy and we're replacing the loss. Well, we're not feeling better. So now we start to believe there's something wrong with us. And again, because we want to be accepted and feel connected, we don't want people to see that weakness in us. And so we pull away even more. And the sad part is without the correct tools, there are a lot of people walking around right now who are accepting 20% happiness as if it were 100 because they just don't believe that life can ever get any better. That is a scary number. It's That's scary. scary. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We so underestimate this because we are so afraid to have a conversation about grief and loss. And, you know, our society has been conditioned to get things, but it doesn't matter our education. It doesn't matter our life experiences. We are very poorly equipped to deal with loss. We just don't know how to lose things. And so, you know, one of my goals is to normalize this conversation. And I thank you so much for having me on the show, just being able to kind of open the door to these communications and for people not to be quite so intimidated or overwhelmed by something that is really normal and natural. 
yet we refuse to acknowledge it. We do at so all costs. You're right. And it's normal and natural. None of us can get away from it. There will be some form of loss at some point, somehow, no matter what we do. Absolutely. And it's crazy how we we try to muddle our way through it, hide it, downplay it, and then not recognizing what that's doing to someone else. And and when you were going through all of those different, um, I've lost the word, myths yep. of it, I could see myself in some of them over the last month. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I pulled away because I was thinking, okay, I don't know how, because I've never been in this space before. This one's new. I didn't know how to reach out and say, I'm not doing okay. Exactly. Even though I knew I would be well-received, like it wasn't like people were going to poo-poo me because I, I knew in particular a couple of people I could, I could reach out to. Well, you would have been one I could have reached out to too. <laughs> but I chose not to. And then when I would would cry or would get really sad in front of my family, my I have three sons and they all have partners. That being that vulnerable when I've never been that way in front of them, that was tough. Like my first instinct was close it down. You're making them feel uncomfortable. So you have to stop. Yeah. And then I went. Yeah, but I'm not going to feel any better. No. And I'm modeling just what you said. I will be modeling, don't share how you're feeling. Right? And it was, yeah, it was really interesting. I'm kind of glad I have the brain I have because I could be there, look at it, witness it, talk to myself <laughs> and do all that in, in, in moments and then choose a different option for myself, like to allow myself to continue to be vulnerable and not to get up and walk away because that's so what I wanted to do. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm sure a doctor or anyone in the medical community would slap my wrist for the example I'm about to give, but I compare grief to chronic pain. Chronic pain is debilitating. It's limiting. It's controlling. Like, Every aspect of our lives is controlled by the chronic pain or the level of intensity of our pain. After you heal from a loss, there can still be times when, you know, you're lonely or you really miss that person and you miss that they're no longer in your life. And those are waves of sadness that I kind of equate to acute pain. You've got a headache, you sprain your ankle, you break your leg, it's uncomfortable, but you know that, you know, in a relatively short period of time, it will pass. And that's part of how I educate people when they go through the program, because what we're doing is we're healing that chronic pain. We're healing the grief so they're able to step back into life with hope and with courage. But I want them to know that on those times when they do have that wave of loneliness, that wave of sadness, to be in that place of acceptance, to be able to um, ride with those emotions, knowing that they're going to be passing in a few minutes and you're going to be okay. Absolutely. Like the, and like something like a a smell, right? Or a scent is a really big one that can bring that, that, emotion back up quite unsudden, like quite suddenly. And right. I again I went for, as I mentioned to you, aromatherapy massage. 
Yeah. I know that that helps me with grief. And I didn't specify what oils I wanted. Well, it was a new therapist for me. And she brought in rose oil as one of the ones. And I went, I thought, it immediately took me back to my mother-in-law when she passed away because my husband was constantly rubbing her hands with rose oil as she was dying. And I have that smell, that awareness. And that was like, a, a part of me wanted to say, oh, no, I don't want rose oil. And then I thought, no, I actually do. And I allowed myself to go into that moment. And it had healing for that as well. Right. Right. But it can really come on quite, quite sudden. And I mean, in the old, old, old 13, 13th century definition of grief talks about pain. It talks about, it says, hardship, suffering, pain, body affliction, bodily affliction. And we know, like, this, you know, the commercials are depression hurts, right? Anything we're holding on to ourselves that way, grief included, can and most likely will cause physical discomfort as well. So I think your analogy is great. I mean, to me, it works, you know, with how I look at the cells of the body and what we create, you know, whether it be a lung condition, which is one of the areas where we hold grief or whatever it might be. There's this whole other world of way of looking at it that we could get into. But we're coming up to another break. (laughs) So we're not going to go there today, maybe at another time. But um, there is so much that has been normalized and accepted around grief that really isn't what grief actually looks like. Not helpful at all. Right? Not at all. It's not what we're actually dealing with people. Like, you know, and then we're in the position of thinking, "Mm, but this is how I'm supposed to be. And no, you are not. You're to be you. And however that's going to look. And how many boxes of Kleenexes you need or whatever the case may be, or how many aromatherapy massages you require. So what? But I do love, Tammy, what you've been saying about it being witnessed. Yes. Right? Healing grief and healing a lot of other things, but healing grief is not meant to be a solo project. It's not. And the best way you can support someone else is just to be a heart with ears. No judgment. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to take their pain away. Just give them that safe place where they can express how they're feeling. Yeah. A friend of mine, when her husband passed away, we, my husband and I were the only people she could be with that would allow the name to be spoken. Oh, that's so sad. Right. So, So glad you were there for them. But so sad. We tend to stop people from saying the name or we don't bring up the name because we think we'll remind them of their loss. Well, well they are, are they more than aware of it. Yes. Yeah. You know. All right. We're going to jump to our last break now. And I don't know how we're going to wrap all this up in our next segment because it goes really quickly. But Tammy and I will do our very best to kind of put a bow on all of this and empower you to know that you can work with your grief in a way that may be different and may be unusual and that there's people out here like Tammy Adams who are designed and well-equipped to help you. 
So don't go away, everyone. You're going to want to hear how we figure out this in the last segment <laughs> and put it all together for you. Thank you so much for being here on the Inspired Choices Network and hanging out with myself, Karen Leslie, and the lovely Tammy Adams. Great. We'll be right back, everyone. Thanks. We all have different experiences with and definitions of kindness. These experiences and beliefs about kindness have influenced who we are today and how we see the world. The universe is always listening. So what are you telling the universe today? Tune in to Cultivating Kindness with Karen. Each week as Karen guides you to understanding how each choice you are making is either keeping you stuck or opening up the energy of empowerment for you. Listen to Cultivating Kindness with Karen, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Central Time, 12 p.m. Mountain Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is Cultivating Kindness with Karen. To participate in the program, join the live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can also send an email to Karen at KarenLeslie.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I have been having a wonderful time talking with Tammy Adams and exploring all kinds of different aspects around grief, what it is, how it looks, what society is telling us, what we may not be listening to within our own hearts, and how that can change. And you can change it, and you can work through it in a way that's personal individual, and solely right for you. And I would highly recommend people, you know, look up Tammy, get in touch with her, send her a quick email, just ask her a question. You know, I know she'll talk to you. It's all good. So Tammy, one of the things I want to end with though, too, or as we start to wrap things up a little is, so what can we do then? What are acts of kindness that we can do for people who are suffering grief of any kind. I know mostly it will be if someone's passed away, you know, beyond sending flowers, because truthfully, I don't look at that. It's really something that's overly helpful, to be perfectly honest. Sorry if I'm upsetting anybody or flower shop owners, <laughs> but there's got to be more. There's something else we can be doing. I think one of the, um, mistakes that we make because we don't have the tools to support someone else is we pick up the phone and we ask them what can we do for you and when someone's grieving especially when they've experienced an intense loss they are not in a place to be able to answer that question and so one of the kindest things that you can do for someone else is just to assume that responsibility in an act of kindness so maybe you get a bunch of your friends together and you organize a dinner tree. So, you know, every night for a month, they have cooked meals that are brought to their house. Or, you know, if you've got younger kids and they're in hockey or dance or riding or whatever, offer to pick up that child and bring them home and do that for, you know, a couple weeks or a month or whatever feels right. Um, go to the grocery store and drop off some groceries for them. Um, but what you want to do is you want to assume that act of kindness versus asking them because they most likely won't be in a 
place to be able to answer that question. Um, so that's acts of kindness in regards to someone else. And I think, you know, coming back to what I said about myself, showing up when everyone else has gone home. Everybody's there in the chaos and the hecticness of when the death, for example, has happened. Um, but then a couple of weeks later, life kind of settles back into a normalcy for everyone else. That's when you need to show up, show up with dinner, show up with a phone call, show up with a visit. Maybe that's when you take the flowers, you know, after everyone else has gone home. In regards to ourselves, there's a couple suggestions I'd like to leave. One is to start paying attention for how you're keeping yourself busy. We can't make any change in our life if we're not aware of the change that we want to make. So first of all, how are you staying busy? What is it that you're doing in excess that perhaps you didn't before? Then the next question is pausing and trying to connect with what is it that I'm running away from? What is it that I don't want to look at? Yeah. I did mention journaling. Journaling does serve a purpose in allowing us to kind of explore our emotions and kind of look at things that are showing up, bringing our awareness back to what that is. I talked about a friend, you know, someone, a heart with ears. Find that safe place and have the courage to reach out and ask for help and ask for support. And then when you're really ready to really push through this grief, these layers of grief, um, that might be the time to reach out to a professional who can guide you through the steps of, say, grief recovery um, so that you can get on the other side of this. There is some belief in our society that the longer you grieve, the more important that person was. But the longer you deny the healing, the longer you are stuck in the pain. And I like to look at grief recovery as a way of replacing sadness with love. Oh, and that nice. is the kindest thing you can do for yourself. Yeah. Because the triggers, just like you say, with the smell of the rose oil, the triggers are there. But, oh, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go back to the memories without the triggers? Because yeah. the memories never go, but the triggers can. Yeah. They can on that note, though, Tammy, I'm going to have to say we have 15 seconds. So yep. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And from Tammy and I, we are sending all of you waves of kindness. Thank you for being with us. And I hope you'll join me next week because I'm talking about I am so angry. Thank you for listening to Cultivating Kindness with Karen. Karen Leslie returns Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central, 12 p.m. Mountain, 11 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. You can find Karen at KarenLeslie.ca and follow her on social media. Until next Wednesday, Karen is sending you waves of kindness for a fabulous week. Remember, it's only you who has the power to be and receive the kindness required to change your life.